Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me, Sam Matterface, TalkSport's Chief Football Correspondent, Alex Crook and the former Arsenal winger and title winner, Perry Groves. Here's what's coming up on a thrilling show after a thrilling weekend. The fact that they've put that performance together, they've galvanised the group. I think this could be a defining moment in their season. Man City, at the minute, have just lost that little bit of air of invincibility. Mm. And it's great, for. let's be honest, it's brilliant for the Premier League, because you want Man City to be a little bit vulnerable. And I think it could get worse for Tottenham before it gets better. It hasn't taken long for Spurs to be a bit Spursy. The refereeing standard this, this season, obviously before the international break, I think it's got worse because of the way that they've been managed by Howard Webb. I think there's too much fear. I do think, because they're Manchester United, Eric Ten Hag is probably the most scrutinised manager in the Premier League. Maybe it's time to cut Eric Ten Hag a little bit of slack. Wow, we can hardly believe what we've witnessed this weekend. I had the good fortune in the last seven days to be at Chelsea beating Tottenham 4-1, Wolves beating Tottenham in the last minute in the game at Molyneux on Saturday, and Chelsea 4 Tottenham, Manchester City 4, I forgot where I was there for a second. We've just, got back. We've just got back from it. It's absolutely blown us away. It was an amazing game, an amazing atmosphere and a, and a pivotal moment. You went to West Ham, that was crazy as well. I mean, have you had ever, can you remember a weekend where there would be, or a week where there's been so many bonkers games? No, you said there, it started off on Monday, didn't it? With, uh, for a change, watching it on the telly, VAR actually made it a bit more entertaining. Because <laughs> <laughs> like goals disallowed, offside, with toe offside, whatever. And then... So you was uh, at Stamford Bridge today, and um, obviously I've seen the highlights and watched the first half, and it was just, I think it was a weekend before the international break where nearly every team has gone to try and win the game. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Rather than just sitting back and being passive, and all credit to Chelsea today as well, because I thought they looked, looked a lot more composed today after beating Spurs on Monday. I think they looked a little bit more assured. We'll talk about them in just a second. You were at Arsenal on Saturday, and it's really tight at the top now, isn't it? We're the top four teams all separated by two points. Yeah, absolutely, and it was pretty straightforward for Arsenal, it has to be said. So I think it's been a good weekend for the title race, because obviously if, if City had won, and they were very close to doing so, they go into this international break, three points clear. They'd already amassed more points 11 games into a season than they've managed since way back in... 2018-19 so it feels like we have a genuine title race and I put that to Manuel Akanji after the game and he said that's what we want you know we want competition I think they've got it yeah and they've got a good points total haven't they but everybody else has got a good points total as well Liverpool doing very well they won again uh, this weekend at home uh, Mo Salah scored his 200th goal in English football uh, a bit of controversy up there about a possible sending off 
We've seen the replay of the ball, whether it went in or out for his headed goal. It certainly was in, wasn't it? So no problems there. So well done uh, to them. And uh, well done to Sheffield United, who got themselves off the bottom of the table uh, with a point away at Brighton. But we start at Stamford Bridge, where it was bonkers. Bonkers, but brilliant. What a goal-packed game it was. Cole Palmer coming back to haunt his former club. Now, that moment could be key over the course of the season, couldn't it? Because you need ice in your veins to take that sort of penalty. Yeah, and I think the biggest compliment you can pay is that nobody expected him to miss because he's taken some ice-cool penalties under pressure already. He's wrestled the ball away from Raheem Sterling. He clearly is Chelsea's penalty taker, but his head must have been all over the place. Wivenshaw, born and bred, came through Man City's academy, sold by Manchester City. Such a key moment in the game because if he misses, we know that Chelsea are going to lose. And it was a, a brilliant penalty and I thought his performance was brilliant. We've got players likely to be withdrawn from the England squad due to injuries. I think he's a really good shout to, to fill one of those spots. I think he's excellent. Yeah, I um, mentioned that to you just before he was about to take the penalty, that it could be that he ends up getting a phone call by the end of the night. What a great day that would be. As a player, I mean, obviously, you never were in that situation where you took a penalty against Arsenal. Can you imagine what it must feel like, though, in those circumstances? You're playing against your former club. You're, you've got the chance to equalise in a big game in stoppage time, taking a penalty. You must be able to sort of feel some of that emotion, right? Yeah, your, your legs will go a little bit stiffer. And you had, was it two minutes, 39 seconds, and he, before he could take it? Yes. And I, I just think, I love the way that he plays. I love players that have got arrogance, and I think he has arrogance in a good way on the pitch. And he would have been all this week looking forward to this game, actually thinking, like, quietly, I've got something to prove to you because you weren't going to play me uh, regularly. That's why I left. And I mean, you've got to thank Pep Guardiola for letting Sui Cole Palmer go one of his rivals because he said he does what's good for the player. Mm. Never heard such rubbish in all my life, by the way. Because <laughs> um, he didn't, I'll just be honest, he didn't see Chelsea as a rival at this particular time, which is fair enough. Well, that's not what he said after the game, see. So I was in the press conference after the game and he was sitting there and he was saying, well, what do you expect? This is Chelsea. We, they're doing what we've done. You used to have a go at us for... For spend, it was, the inference was that mm. you used to have a go at us for spending money. They've spent a billion pounds. What are you expecting? I think the biggest achievement is the fact that we haven't lost for the, to them for so long. That's the story. You know, he did this the other week when they played uh, Arsenal. Yeah. Where he told you how, what the headline was. It wasn't the fact that Arsenal had beaten them. It was the fact that it's taken so long for them uh, to beat them. Um, but you know, he, he was asked this question. Do you think that this season... Whereas before, if you get behind against Manchester City, you sort of almost give up. Are teams seeing a vulnerability in his squad that they believe that even if they have conceded against them, they can still get back at them? Well, you mentioned the stat was it was uh, 69 times they've taken the lead now and they've uh, only lost one. That includes today. Yeah. To be fair to Chelsea, they were behind three times. Mm. So I think that Man City at the minute, have just lost that little bit of air of invincibility. You know, um, if you went behind, you thought, oh, how many is it going to be? And I don't care what he says, you win the treble, it's very, very difficult to keep yourself that focused and be that hungry. And I think he's pleased that they're, obviously, they're top of the league, but they're still um, in and around Arsenal and Liverpool. I think he might have thought it might take them a little bit of a while, like they did last season, mm. to get into their uh, stride. So, um, if you've been beaten by Wolves, been uh, beaten by Arsenal, so, drawn today. So, they're missing, I don't know if anybody says, they're missing Kevin De Bruyne. They're missing that little bit of creativity. Gundogan obviously left, they're missing John that as well. as well. John Stones going into uh, midfield from the centre-half, which the other centre-halves can't seem to be able to do. Mm. And it's great, for. let's be honest, it's brilliant for the Premier League. 
because you want Man City to be a little bit vulnerable. Yeah. And, and with Arsenal and Liverpool have been touching. It was good to see Chelsea take them on as well and you know go at them rather than just be submissive, sit behind the ball and look to break on the counter. They created themselves, they played some good football through the thirds, took the ball up the pitch slickly and created a lot of opportunities in the game. And actually they probably would have created more if they'd made better choices on the edge of the penalty area. Um, what did you make of the, the penalty for Haaland? where he's throwing his arms around like an octopus with Kukurea, and yet somehow it's Kukurea who gets penalised for that. I mean, I thought it was 50-50, six of one, half a dozen of the other, play on. I thought it was clever from Haaland, because I think he, he initiates the initial contact, but not enough for it to be a foul. And then he gets the, the wrong side of Kukurea, and Kukurea almost has to react by tugging him down. I, yeah, he's gone down easily. He's a huge guy. I think it was a penalty. He's six foot five. Kukurela's four foot eight, is he? Like, and he That's with the hair. With the hair, exactly. But he's, he's clever because if you look, they've both got hold of each other's shirts, but then the, the first foul is from Haaland on Kukurea because he actually, as he drags his shirt, that means that he's slightly off balance, so then Haaland can get in front of him, and then he goes over. So the first foul is on Kukurea and Anthony Taylor. Now, he, you can sort of see in real time, OK-ish, but then it goes to VAR and they'll say it's not clear and obvious. But it's, it's a foul from Harlem first. But it's naive from Kukurea to allow himself to fall into that trap because if you watch it back, the ball's not going to reach Harland. It's, it's headed away by Thiago Silva. Mm. So he's not actually a threat at that point. Uh, yeah, but he draws you into those sort of things. Well, he's a threat because he's only in Harland yeah, in the six-yard box and you absolutely. panic. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, uh, at the other end, Thiago Silva scored a terrific goal, then lost his marker for the Akanji goal, then ended up deflecting the ball into his own net for the goal, which at the time we thought would probably be the winner. Has anyone ever, as a 39-year-old, ever had such an impact on one big Premier League game? It's a great question. <laughs> and, and the answer is probably no. I mean, it was a terrific header, but it wasn't great defending for the other two goals. I'm not sure what he was trying to do when he diverted Rodri's shot in. But they still show character, Chelsea. They kept going. Malagusto should have scored. Malagusto should have scored. It was a penalty. I asked Pep Guardiola, any complaints? No, it was a penalty. And as we've mentioned, Cole Palmer tucked it away brilliantly. I think a draw was probably a fair result. Mm. And I think, in fairness to Chelsea, they've sort of played like that all season, probably bar the Forest home game. They've been in every game. They, cre they create chances. They play the Pochettino way. They just haven't shown the quality to take I, those chances I, I so think, far. I think it's worth saying about Chelsea, they've been building to this. Yeah. You've been seeing them get to this sort of stage. You could watch, if you follow their progress over the course of the season, Slowly but surely, you've seen these sort of performances coming together. I thought they actually reacted, and I think it was underrated, the way they behaved after they conceded the first goal at Spurs, and even the second goal, which was ruled off. The way they reacted to that early setback at Spurs, when it was 11 versus 11, I thought was pretty good. The way they reacted today was excellent after conceding the first goal. The fact that they've put that performance together, they've galvanised the group, I think this could be a defining moment in their season. I think it's... Um could be a prom night, could be a coming of age, couldn't it? Because, as I said, watching it and you was there live, they look more structured. I know it was mayhem, it was obviously end to end like basketball, but I actually thought in possession, they looked a lot smoother and they looked a lot more com comfortable in possession. And you talk about Cole Palmer, he could have got one of the goals of the season as well, couldn't he? When he has his little individual oh, run and then he sort so of, close, then yeah. he just gets himself where he could maybe dink it. And he puts the ball for uh, Rich James inside uh, uh, when I think it was. Was it a count? No, Guardiola fell over, didn't he? Yeah. And then he's, uh, Rhys James has just put it across. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, he's having it's a good a, impact. It all depends how long they think the project's going to be. Because let's be honest, this season, 
I think Pochettino probably does have a free season where they're expecting him maybe to challenge getting in the Champions League positions. So I think he's probably got this so it could just settle down a bit. Also, I also think that there's no way that they'd change him because they're, unless they're really stupid, there isn't anybody else of his profile that's going to come in and take that job with his experience and his ability. And having done the work that they've done already, they might as well let him see the project out for a little while at least. So yeah, free season, definitely. I think the most important thing is, is that today he sort of made a little bit more of a connection with the supporters, the players seem to have made a bit of more of a connection with the supporters. It feels like a, a Chelsea team now. And it's great having these managers back in the league. Pep Guardiola obviously always comes out with a good line. Pochettino come out with one of the best lines straight after the game. What did he say live on radio? <laughs> he said, uh, I asked the fourth official what the bleep but he missed out the bleep. Yeah. Would you mind off? He stomped me onto the on. pitch. He was going, giving it to Craig Paulson like that, and he stomped onto the pitch with a full-time whistle. And apparently went up to the referee and said, "What that?" And then, like you know, it went on from you there. You know, you're struggling when Carl Walker has to calm you down. <laughs> He's coming and gone. Right, calm yourself down. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. They plant it in the bottom right-hand corner. Five minutes gone. Crystal Palace one, Everton one. Saka heads it up to the far post and touched in by Leandro Trossard. 58 and a half minutes gone. Manchester United one, Luton nil. It came from a United corner. The finishing touch was from Lindelof. After Rodriguez can't get the shot in. Comes out to the edge of the area and Josh Brownhill equalises for Burnley. Brilliant watch here. Everton minutes away from a big three points on the road. Crystal Palace two, Everton three. Zinchenko on the follow-up. Brilliant finish from Ukrainian Alexander Zinchenko. It is Arsenal three, Burnley one. Bournemouth two, Newcastle nil. Dominic Solanke has his second goal. And Newcastle, I'm afraid, are depleted in terms of numbers. They're depleted on the score sheet. Full-time whistle goes and Arsenal are back up to second in the Premier League. Level with Manchester City for a day at least. Wolverhampton Wanderers staging an epic comeback right at the very end. They spent most of the game huffing and puffing and not really creating that many chances. 
But the, the goals that they scored right at the end of the match were nothing short of terrific. And when they were screaming out for a bit of quality, Pablo Sarabia certainly provided it. Yeah, he did. Um, brilliant first touch and, and finish. And obviously then momentum, such a big thing in football. Suddenly Wolves had all the momentum and you kind of, you kind of felt they were going to go on and, and score the winner. Brilliant reaction from Gary O'Neill, almost Mourinho-esque. It was brilliant. Down it? the touchline, very un-Gary O'Neill-like. But I think as you said on the Sunday session, maybe that's a result of the frustration with the officiating that's gone against Wolves so far this season. That, that unbridled joy just came out. But I don't think anybody is surprised the Spurs drop points. I, I went for the draw. I think when we recorded really? the preview part, Alex Crook. Crook went for the draw. <laughs> but when we recorded, cost us how much money did he cost us thunkers. today? Three hundred quid. Yeah. Oh, we can't talk about it, but yeah, unbelievable. But, but when we recorded the preview part, I think we all felt that with the injuries they had and the suspensions, this could be a problem for Spurs because Wolves are no mugs. Gary O'Neill is certainly not a mug. And I think it could get worse for Tottenham before it gets better because they've lost Basuma now. Second suspension for him this season. So the midfield has been torn of him and Madison. Obviously, Van der Ven is out for, for several weeks now. I think it hasn't taken long for Spurs to be a bit Spursy. Wait, <laughs> <Stop laughs> Eric, Eric Dyer going, you want me to play a high line? Eric Dyer kind of think, no, not, not for me, thanks. Well, to be fair, it's his own fault, really. He's had a high line uh, cut into each of the side of his head, hasn't he? He's gone for that sort of new age mullet. He's growing out the back. Would I'm not sure about that. that. Like new hair, would you know? Next mm, he'd be a bit vain, I think. No, I mullet. Know, exactly, yeah. Would you? Would you? Would you try and sport one of those? Oh, I've rocked a mullet. Don't worry about oh, yeah. that. Oh yeah. It's coming back now. Matt Doherty's got mullet. one. Billy Ray Cyrus. Fran Perez of Valencia's got one on the on on the old grow. They're all going for it. And Dyer is trying it as well. I'm sure it's a bit. It doesn't doesn't suit. Dyer effort. Yeah. yeah, it is. You could do it. You don't want to diet either, does he? Um, just in case you're wondering what Crookie cost us, we have a charity bet on the Sunday session and Crook always picks a draw, which is why we now call him Splinters. It's his new nickname. Um, but it was a good game uh, for, for Wolverhampton Wanderers. I thought for large parts of it, they had loads of the ball but didn't really create the opportunities. The reason they don't use Sarabia, I think, on a more regular basis because they're short of Neto and he's usually their big outlet in terms of speed on the breakaway is because he slows it down a little bit. Mm. Whereas they want that speed of Cunha, of Huang, um, at this moment in time. The only issue with and Bellegarde sort of tries to give a little bit of that, but all three of them lack a little bit of end product, which is a bit of a problem for them. And he's them. changed it a bit, didn't he, um, Gary Neal, because he wanted the, the front three, you mentioned there, with, obviously with Huang, Neto and Kuna. Now he's changed it to a front two. Front so two with, with Bellegarde sort of almost exactly the behind him, and coming in from the he's right. He's a very underrated... We said it before, obviously Wolves have beaten Man City where they were brilliantly structured, drawn with Newcastle. He, he's got in there with a blank canvas at Wolves thought, right, how am I going to get these players to play which suits the players that I have, not necessarily with the philosophy that he's going to like, implement. And I just think he looks at the group of players that he has, what he did at Bournemouth, and that's, I think that's a sign of a but really good coach. But also, you look at the fact that last year they were the lowest scorers in the league. They've only failed to score in one game all season, and that was the game against Manchester United on the opening day when they should have had a hatful anyway. So, I mean, to transform a team that couldn't score into a team that scores in every game now, that's some achievement. And to beat Spurs, to beat Manchester United, to draw with Newcastle, to draw with Aston Villa, 
that's a terrific start to the season for him, really, isn't it, in comparison to what many people thought that they were going to be up against. They beat City, not United. Let's not rewrite Sorry, history. Sorry, they should have beat Manchester United. When they beat Manchester United. They should have beat Manchester United. United, United Even United. better, they beat Manchester City. But the thing done is, out of uh, the, the Man United It's game. the same players that Lopetegui was effectively saying weren't good enough, you mm. know, and was throwing his toys out of the pram. And history is repeating, isn't it, because he inherited a team at Bournemouth that Scott Parker had pretty much chucked under the bus as being relegation well, fodder. So they weren't good enough, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. And yeah. with um, Wolves fans, they weren't really having Gary O'Neill when he first went there. And I think they I look think at him, him now. now. They're having, and because they're sa- they're, there's no danger of them no. being relegated no. at all. And if you're Wolves fan, you think, actually, let's give a good cup run. Let's have a really good FA Cup run. Do you know what I mean? And like, see if we can get ourselves a trophy. So I think he's won them round. Results, obviously, but as you said there, the style of football. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tottenham Hotspur, though, two defeats in a week. Um, and they've got big fixtures to come. They play Newcastle. They've got uh, Manchester City upcoming in the next few weeks as well. So it's going to be a big month, I think, without Madison and without Mickey van der Ven. To go through that Christmas period without them as well is going to be tough. Gary O'Neill obviously has been the subject of quite a lot of attention because he was the one who first verbalised the issues with VAR and the officials. He said he doesn't even speak to Howard Webb anymore. He did actually have a conversation with him last week where they, he said he had a more sensible conversation. He explained his ideas about how VAR could move forward and Howard then explained how he thought it was going to work. It was slightly different. That's going well, isn't it, for Howard? That it minute. would uh, take it on board. <laughs> but uh, then we had Arteta coming out making his big statement last week as everything was a disgrace. You had a few other people who I spoke to during the week who were suggesting that there was a lot of managers and players that felt as if the clubs needed to take action. You had the LMA coming out and saying something as well last week. And then today, Roberto De Zerbi exploded. Exploded in a post-match press conference. Now, it's worth pointing out that his words can be taken a little bit out of context because when you read them in your papers in the morning, it will look a lot more aggressive than it sounded when we heard the press conference. And the reason for that is because what he actually says, the words he actually uses, I'm not entirely sure he means those words, but he is not a native English speaker. His first language is Italian, so it sounds a little bit more aggressive. But he actually said these words, I do not like 80% of the referees in this country. I don't like English referees' behaviour, and I'm unhappy about the way they perform. Uh, did he clarify what he meant by behaviour? Do you think that the referees think it's more about them than the game, or do you think that he they're didn't not go into any further communicating? Detail, because, but overall, if you're saying I don't like 80% of the referees, you're basically saying you're not happy with the way things are going in terms of officials. You know, um, in future, if there's going to be a 50-50 decision, that's what I said on it. And then, no, it, that's the way, referees are human. Do you know what I mean? If you say, like you've heard a man, you say I don't like what you do and the way you go about it, it's a next 50-50 decision it's going to go against Brighton. And the refereeing standard this, this season, obviously before this international break, I think has got worse because of the way that they've been managed by Howard Webb. I think there's too much fear. I think they're mm. actually frightened of making their own decisions. I think their minds are scrambled. I think Howard Webb was brought in, wasn't he, to oversee everything and make it a lot clearer. And it's got a lot worse. And if um, De Zerbi was talking about the Hoods sending off... No, he said it was a red card. I'm not going to say he did it where well, he did. He did do it on purpose. He went to hurt Osborne because when you see it and he's on the floor and he's nowhere near the ball and he actually straight leg stamps on his this foot. This is in Brighton 1, Sheffield United Yeah, one, that was the it? most obvious sending off of the season. 
It's a strange time for De Zerbi to articulate it, bearing in mind that he's not really complaining about the big decision of the afternoon. But I do think it's probably a result of the fact that maybe Arteta has galvanised some of the other managers with what he said, particularly the overseas managers, I would suggest. But also, if you go back to last season, they've been on the yeah. wrong end of some really dubious decisions. So maybe he's just had enough. Only just got back to winning ways, though, Perry, didn't they? Because it was they didn't have everything their own way in that game. No, I must admit, obviously, I was at the Emirates. There was a bit of... Um, a little bit of complacency, I think, not just with, with the players, but I think with the actual fans as well. The atmosphere was weird. Yeah, because it was flat crooky, wasn't it? Mm. And normally when the North London Forever uh, anthem is played, it's packed and it's, it's rocking in it to the rough. It was half full, because I think even the fans felt, oh, it's Burnley, they're having like a really bad time. This is going to be a foregone conclusion. And Burnley were very well organised in, in the first half. When they were out. They were. They had a good, good structure. And then they just looked like they were going to get in at half-time, nil-nil, which would have been like a, a brilliant result for them. And then again, they just switch off. And then uh, Bukayo Saka has a header back across and Trossard's really brave and he really smashed against the post. Goes in at 1-0. And then everybody's thinking, that's it, it's done and dusted. And Burnley come out in the second half and have a, a proper go. And then Brownhill gets his goal, you know, uh, defects off Gabriel. Then there's a jeopardy. Then the atmosphere changed in, in the Emirates. And then they thought, oh, we've got a game on our hands now. And then Trossard does his James Ward-Prowse impression, uh, and then takes a couple of corners, whips them in. Sleeva heads it from two, three yards, where James Trafford should be better. The goalkeeper, young goalkeeper, played really well, actually, yesterday for Burnley, apart from the two mm. uh, corners. But... Um, yeah, Burnley made them work for it. That was probably Burnley's... Apart from two goals that separated the two teams. But, they're, but you're looking at Burnley away from home and they've been far too open mm. and far too easy to play against. In the first half, they weren't. They were a lot better structured. So I think... They're still going down though, aren't they? Oh, they're going down and they've just gone bottom as well, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, today, Sheffield United have gone like second. Mm. But, Burnley, but Vinks and company keep saying... Oh, we've got to learn from these mistakes. Well, he, said, he said yesterday that they had high standards and he's so proud of the fact that they're, that they're so driven and he was coming up with lots of management sort of platitudes. Yeah. However, they're 19th going into today's game. By the time they wake up tomorrow morning, they're bottom of the table. Their, their next set of fixtures are West Ham, Sheffield United and Wolves. They've got to start putting together some semblance of result. Otherwise, it's all right you sitting there saying, oh, they're going down. But... I don't think the Burnley fans are, are happy to be as accepting of that. They want to see a bit of fight. They want to see some sort of dragging, uh, uh, you know, or attempt at dragging themselves out of this situation. Yeah, and he was suggesting they did show that fight yesterday, as you, as you mentioned. He, he talked about how hard they worked and how hard they worked in games last season, which he felt maybe they didn't necessarily get the credit. I mean, you say Arsenal only just won it. I, I think, I think it was comfortable. You know, the the, the, the time between Burnley equalising and Arsenal going Three back minutes. in front. It was almost like, if, if you score, we'll, we'll, we'll go up a couple of gears and then we'll beat you quite comfortably, and they did that. So, yeah, I didn't see anything to suggest that Burnley have got a chance of staying in the Premier League. And I think from an Arsenal perspective, it's a victory that gets them closer to, Man to Manchester City, obviously, with what happened on Sunday. Still questions over Kai Havertz. Again, he was that, confident he was shot. He was poor yesterday. His first touch, you can tell someone's tense. Yeah. And his first touch step kept bouncing off him. Yeah, anything else? The Arsenal fans are sitting there with an Alex Cook bingo card waiting for Kai Havertz. Arteta's made the wrong decision over the goalkeepers. <laughs> and uh, oh, can I just say, um, Ramsdale's a scratch right. golfer. Everybody keeps saying to me that Man City haven't hit their straps yet. Yeah. Arsenal haven't either. No. Arsenal, were playing, Arsenal aren't playing anywhere near to the level what they Saka were playing was quiet last again. season. Apart then that he gets brilliant his, leap. Yeah, then yeah. he gets his assist. So I think Arsenal have missed Jesus. Martinelli and 
Saka miss him because he creates mayhem with centre halves and dropping deep and you know having like different sort of one v ones. On Burnley's side, you know they, they spent a hundred million pounds. Mm. It's not as if they haven't had a like no. a right guy on the recruitment side, and they've probably got a lot of players that are too good for the championship and they've found the step up to the Premier League difficult. But as mentioned, Vintinho at right back and Colliosho who played on the left hand side. When they do go down, there'll be two players. Yeah, Kuliosha is a really good player, but yeah. he plays in fits and starts because he's only 19 years of age and he's well, he's young, isn't he? 19, 20. Um, but he he's got he's got potential. Um, I think, you know, the, the truth about Burnley is is that, that they've, they've they've I think when Bayer had got an injury earlier in the season, it unsettled their defence. He's come back in now. I was expecting them to do a little bit better when he did, but that hasn't materialised. So just just Bayer, beware then, was it? <laughs> just on Saka, by the way, brilliant leap. Um, and, and Three good leaps, by the way. Saliba's leap, yeah. uh, Zinchenko's leap for his scissor kick, and then obviously Saka won. And, and brave from Trossard as well, because yeah. there's he some, there's, there's some yeah. players who don't necessarily see that through you because they know they're going to hit the post. You would, you would get out of the way. But on Saka... The post might get out of the way, actually. And, and it sounded like Gareth Southgate was a little bit unhappy that Rhys James has made himself unavailable for these upcoming England games and that, that might harm his future chances. I think there's an argument for Pukayo Saka, who I don't think looks fully fit, to say to Gareth, look, we've already qualified, I could probably do with these two weeks off. Yeah, it's not as simple as that with England because they do need to win their games in order to get better seeding, Mm. otherwise they could find themselves in the second pot and if that's the case, it makes the group stage a lot more difficult for them. So, although you can say, oh, we've qualified, the job isn't done yet, there's still points to play for. How many points do they need to guarantee top spot? Well, it depends on what everybody else gets, but Malta, they'll need to beat and they'll probably need to beat uh, Macedonia as well. They should beat that. uh, Bukayo Saka, they talked about player welfare, and Gareth Southgate is obviously all about England. He's not really bothered about going back to your clubs. Mm. So worst ways out, he shouldn't be playing against Malta, mm. right? Worst ways out. If he plays against North Macedonia, and it's going, then if he's playing, mm. then he should be taking him off after like an hour. That, yeah, that, he should play an hour. But Mikel Arteta also has responsibility for managing his minutes, and he doesn't do that. He either. did take him off at the weekend, Brilliant. but in not the week. Enough. No, but in, in, in midweek, he didn't, did he? No. He, took, he waited till the 81st yeah. minute or something and he got kicked halfway through the second half. He did the same half. thing against Bournemouth when they were freeing you up. Exactly. So, his, I mean, it's not just Gareth's new. responsibility to manage no, no. his minutes. It's got to no, be. No, but actually, it's Saka's responsibility as Don't a player to say, I'm a little bit tired. Don't have a Gareth. Did you have a Gareth then? No. Don't have a Gareth. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, Gareth. Gareth, Gareth, calm yourself. Stevie Cooper. Stevie C. Was it Stevie C? Gaz O'Neill. Didn't mention Eric Ten Hag though, did you? Uh, Air, <laughs> Manchester United won, Luton Town nil. Um, and talking of teams that haven't hit their straps yet, Manchester United missed a hatful of chances on their way to victory over Manchester uh, over Luton. What are you smiling about? You're talking about teams not hitting their straps. You, we're talking about the most informed team in the Premier League, aren't we? Officially, one four last one. Top of the form table. If, if any any example of statistics not meaning <laughs> giving you the full picture was uh, was was evident, then this is certainly it. The fact is, is that yes, over five games they are the informed team in the Premier League in terms of results. But crikey, if anybody's watched those five games, they know full well that isn't the case, don't they, Perry? The thing is, they're grinding out wins, aren't they? Fluking, grinding out. Yeah, yeah but... And it actually, t- takes a little bit of character. Yeah, they, but they, were they were better yesterday. Yeah, and yesterday. obviously uh, Hoyland hasn't scored in the Premier League yet. Obviously he's scored in, in the Champions League, but you can feel sorry for him because he's not having loads of chances being great for him. Mind you, he could have got a couple. Yeah, chances he? Exactly, yeah. Though, yeah. So, and Greg Ten Hag, he's, it was his 50th um, Premier League game, wasn't it? Yesterday. Correct. You got and the he's, stat? And he's won 30. 
is the best of any Manchester United manager. So it's the second fastest in the Premier League ever, isn't it? To get 30 wins out yeah. of 50 games. So he's had so much to deal with. Off the, we know all this stuff yeah. off the pitch. And we talked about Pochettino with a project. They've got to give Eric Ten Hag his head there because the club's culture, we said about it's rotten from the top all, go, all the way through. The recruitment's been pretty poor. He's trying to exact some standards on that side. And um, as I say, they're just winning, basically, they're winning ugly. And, yeah. And the main United fans aren't used to that. No, they're not. But actually, again, you know, match going Manchester United fans are accepting of that because they know there's issues. There's this uh, takeover. We expect Sir Jim Ratcliffe to take a minority stake during the international break and bring in his own team. I've heard one or two names that I need to back up before I release them publicly of people he wants to get mm. involved. And I think it could be, yeah. you know, I think it could be quite positive for Manchester United. They've had injuries. They've had the Jaden Sancho situation. Yeah. Ericsson and Hoyland have both picked up injuries at the weekend. So I do think because they're Manchester United, Eric Ten Hag is probably the most scrutinised manager in the Premier League. But as we sit here now, we're going into an international break. United are sixth in the table. Fifth might be enough to get into the Champions League. He's ahead of the Zerbi. He's had an awful lot of plaudits. I know you'll say, well, he's only in charge of Brighton, but he's being talked about as a possible Manchester City manager. He's ahead of Eddie Howe, who we're all talking about as the next England manager. He's ahead of Mauricio Pochettino, who many of us think is an elite manager. Maybe it's time to cut Eric Ten Hag a little bit of slack. Yeah, don't get too excited. You've beaten Manchester, Manchester United, beaten Luton by a goal. They've beaten Sheffield United by a goal. They've beaten Burnley by a goal. They've beaten Wolves by a goal. So, you know, yes, they've got the results on the ball. City and Tottenham didn't beat Wolves by a goal, did they? No. But City and Tottenham are above Manchester United. Just calm down. Don't get too excited. I don't think it's and a disaster, is what I'm saying. saying it is a disaster. A lot of people have. But it could, it could, it, he's, he, he's got away with it, but they haven't played the top fixtures yet, have they? I mean, they've still got to play a lot of big teams away from home. And he, in his defence, he hasn't had his first choice back no, four, has he? He's had a few I totally well. agree with you. And I've been saying that this is a guy you've got to now just let him get on exactly. with it. Because you've given him far too much of a free reign. So now you've given him that free reign, you've got to let him have the time with the players that he's selected in order to produce the best performances. But, you know, you know, the, the Manchester United mouthpiece over there wants to spin it as if it's the best the story in the that. world. By the way, Anana, just to mention dispatches, he pulled off a brilliant save from He's been Carlton much improved the last few weeks. From his header when it was nil-nil. Much like improved. You, you, they haven't employed you yet. Just chill it out <laughs> just a little bit. Be a little bit more objective. They're doing okay. It's, it's Oi, better. So Jim watches this. Yes, yeah, so Jim. Exactly, uh, yeah. just, uh, just so you know, we do have an idea of some names for people who could come into Old Trafford and they are good quality people that have done these jobs before so it will be interesting uh, to see whether or not that materialises over the next uh, week or so. The Premier League is back tonight live and exclusive on TalkSport and it promises to be even more special. It's only taken Erling Haaland three minutes of the new season. And Foster Koglu's first home game as Spurs boss ends in a victory. And it's Dawed Nunes, Newcastle 1, Liverpool 2. Jesus is through in goal. He's left a defender on his backside. And he's scored for Arsenal. And Brighton have torn Manchester United apart. Sheffield United nil, Newcastle United 8. And it's 6 for Aston Villa. Tottenham once again leave it late. They've beaten Liverpool. Manchester City's perfect start to the Premier League season is over. McTominay wins the game for Manchester United. How big could this be? Arsenal won. Manchester
Manchester City nil. Son tucks it in from four yards out after a beautiful move. And it's why they're going to go five points clear at the top for the Premier League. Manchester United nil, Manchester City three. Those players are not playing for Eric Ten Hag. How quickly things change in the Premier League. And Nicholas Jackson proves maybe he is for real. I don't think I've ever seen a game with so many incidents. Chelsea 4, Manchester City 4. The best league in the world. It's been absolutely compelling. One point clear they're going to be Manchester City heading into the international break. It's been a terrific season so far. As we move on to uh, Bournemouth, Newcastle. Bournemouth winning by two goals to nil. Talking of injuries, and this is what I was saying about you know, Manchester United have had injuries, but everyone's having injuries. And I do worry that this is because of the fact that we had the Winter World Cup last year and the knock-on effect. I'm sending you all messages about it um, in this morning. Real Madrid have got really bad injuries. Newcastle have had injuries. Chelsea have had injuries. Liverpool had injuries today where they couldn't field um, a full bench. It, it's catching up with everyone, isn't it? And Newcastle have been particularly blighted. Well, they've had the injuries. They've had to do with, obviously, Champions League, another sort of step up in standard, is it, where um, I think the Arsenal game last Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday night, took a lot out of them. And obviously, and then they got Dortmund. Then they go to Bournemouth. Bournemouth had their victory before that, didn't they? So they're on, on the up. And you said, I just, I just thought against Bournemouth, they looked leggy. I thought they... Because Newcastle, when they're at their best... They're a uh, very athletic, aren't they, physical side where they like to close down. They couldn't do it against Bournemouth. And then mm. Dominic Solanke gets his two goals, six for the season. Terrific. Yeah, so he's leading the line really well for Bournemouth. Jen, just takes a bit of pressure off of uh, Iriola, doesn't it? Well, it does. Actually, going into this weekend, they were two points ahead. In, if you look at the same fixtures this season compared to the results last, they had two more points in those fixtures. They've beaten Newcastle now, so their record looks even better. Uh, and watching that game, it felt to me, maybe for the first time, that the players are now buying into what Iriola wants to do. It was their Iriola performance, the way they pressed the ball, the way they tried to dominate possession. And to be honest, without Nick Pope, who was excellent, it could have been an even more comfortable victory. So I think Bournemouth definitely are moving in the right direction now. Yeah, he made four or five really good saves in the game to keep the score down. Um, and Trippier then was involved in a heated exchange with the fans straight afterwards. We saw the footage on social media. In all fairness, I mean, I think Trippier was right to point out the injuries and how well they've done up until this point. I don't really think that there was many Newcastle fans that were complaining. It's a very long way to travel to go and watch your team not perform. I understand that. But they are stretched to the limit and they're playing a lot of games at this moment in time. And do you know what? It's better than it was two years ago. The thing is, well, with... I'm not I don't saying you should be accepting exactly, it. Exactly, I don't know what the Newcastle fans have said to Kieran Trippier, but obviously triggered something. He was obviously like, emotional afterwards. He's upset because his team's got beat. But the thing that I don't get is, he's taking a bit of stick. Fans think they can say what they like, in what tone they like, how aggressive they want, and language you want to use to players. But players are not allowed to come back at them. Because Kieran Trippier wasn't shouting or screaming or, you know, ranting or raving. It was saying... We've got, do you know we've got? Have you seen how many injuries we've got? It's not as if we haven't tried, or we haven't put anything in. So I think that uh, players are allowed to just mm. to say, like, you can calm yourself down a bit. Mm. Well, listen, uh, I think he made his point, and I think he's probably right. Newcastle have had a terrific start to the season so far, and 
you know, I think they will end up by hook or by crook moving a few things around in January to get a few loans in, even if they're not going to be from Saudi Arabia because the Premier League going to block that. Um, but they'll, they'll get some reinforcements in. Everton did brilliantly. They beat Palace by three goals to two in a thriller. Who would have thought a game between Roy Hodgson and Sean Dyche would end up with five goals? Everybody thought it was going to be nil-nil. That was, that was, it. That was the, the banker. But I'd seen Everton at uh, West Ham when they beat West Ham 1-0. And again, Sean Dyche has got his team very well structured, um, especially away from home. Calvert-Lewin makes a difference because difference. he brings everybody else into the game as well. Decore obviously got his goal, which um, he plays just off of Calvert-Lewin. And at the back, obviously, Tarkovsky and Branthwaite, he's, although they conceded two goals, but he's got a steady sort of centre-half sort of pair in there. So, again, for the turmoil that Everton are going on are off the pitch, they're, on it, they're safe. There's, got, there's no danger of them going down as long as Calvert-Lewin stays fit. And up the Villa. Yeah. Brilliant. What, 13 home wins? Yeah. In a row. record now. Fantastic. And um, that bet with Jim White, £500 for charity that Villa finish above Newcastle. He turned around to me today and I said, it's Looking only good. November. Looking I can keep saying to him, it's only November. Stop getting so excited. And he turned around to me and said, you take the bet then. And I went, no chance. I'm not getting involved <laughs> in that. <laughs> but but they have, they've built up this uh, superiority complex at Villa Park where I think there is a real fear factor. Yeah opposition teams. They score a lot of goals as well. It's not like they're nicking games 1-0. And Ollie Watkins misses chances, but he scores chances as well. And he missed the big chance in that game today, but he recovered and scored as well. He's, he's, he's a terrific little finisher and he's got great speed, which causes problems. For you know, his goal, his goal epitomised what Unoroma has told him to do is stay, stay more central. Exactly, yeah. right in the middle of the six-yard box. Yeah. And he's a manager that you only even complain about playing Thursday, Sunday. No, he loves it. He, he's a Jedi. That's, yeah. that's what he does. That's, he loves to... Like, I think Asford have got a great chance of winning the uh, Conference League. Absolutely. And he say he'll see that as if you're winning. Players don't get tired when you're winning. When you're winning games, everybody wants to play. And he, in, he improves individual players. We look at John McGinn, the way that he's gone on to like, a different level. You mentioned uh, Ollie Watkins as well. So I think Villa have got a great chance. Of, you said you can finish in the top five, can't you, for Champions League? Possibly. Possibly, yeah. I think they've got a great chance. Who do you fancy for the bet, me or Jim White? You. You said Aston Villa would be above, yeah. It's not done yet. Don't Certainly get too excited. No, Don't absolutely. get too excited. He does get too bit excited. He likes to react to... He's got a bit of recency bias, aren't you? Only as good as your last result. Yeah. Mind you, knowing you, I thought you'd have gone for a draw. Well, you're going to remain <laughs> Splinter's crook. <laughs> right, thank you very much. Enjoy your international break. I know you like to take those off. Um, you and I will be working, obviously, as normal next week. We're looking yes. forward to that. Uh, we'll be doing some international break podcasts as well for you as England uh, try and take on Malta and uh, North Macedonia. We'll have some Premier League news in there as well. Hold on. Are we at November and no one's been sacked yet? Yeah. And there were five managerial departs in the Premier League by this time last You know season. what that means, don't you? There's one coming. Stay tuned. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 